0: Okay guys, welcome to part 2 of Race and Power in the West. This again, I know we said that we're going to do you know two specific episodes, that's because obviously we're having a lot of discussion here. I don't want you guys to get too drowned out by it, and I know that you guys love the short episodes, like 20 minutes seems just fine. So that's what I'm going to try and keep it to as much as possible. But we're going to just hop right in because we're going to continue from where we left off. We're talking about journalism, actually. we were linking it to the concept of stories and how they're actually told, especially through the media. So the thing is, I understand that the media is not a monolith. Like, it's not. But it seems as if. Yeah, and actually, funnily enough, I've done my... I did a a research dissertation on race and media, like race in the media. uh, And I was reading a book called Media and Crime. And I was doing a specific research on the way the media actually contributes to miscarriages of justice. And you should see how they actually push those stories forward when they're dealing with people um, from different ethnicities. So what they actually found is that for white defendants, they, they made so many excuses, even if they were murderers, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys think that this is a joke, we're like, oh, you know, you know, sometimes people make excuses, you know, maybe there's a defense for the person. I'm sorry, if you find me in an article defending a person saying that they were possessed by the devil, mm-hmm. right? And saying that, okay, yeah, because the person was possessed by the devil and you're not going towards any any similar lens. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's like, it was a black person. Oh, no, no, actually, they they did it. You know, this is what these black people do. Like, mm. obviously, they're not saying that, mm. but they're communicating that message. So the, one of them said they were seduced by a devilish figure and then they just killed the person. I'm like, Come on.
1: Yeah, we always see quite a blatant difference in the way black and white people who have been convicted or accused of crimes being treated. Um, You know, the white man is always the lone wolf, yeah. He's always <laughs> struggling with mental health issues. He's always misunderstood. He's always been, you know, ostracized from his community whereas black people they're terrorists. This is how they behave. They're violent. It's because they wear hoodies. It's because they listen to grime music. Mm. And, you know, innocent until proven guilty is not a luxury that black people have. And we see mm. this, you know, as we said in the previous podcast, it's been quite a, a turbulent news week. Um, in the US and you know you don't have to you can't just focus on the US but I feel like it illustrates a lot of these points quite clearly um, and effectively and we see you know white men killing people near enough on camera yeah. Quite literally getting away with it. And I don't think I'm unreasonable to say <coughs> getting away House. with it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's just one. And,
1: you know, it's not a surprise. I wasn't surprised when I saw he was found not guilty on all counts. I wasn't surprised at all. Because a few days earlier, there was a picture of him crying. Kyle oh, Risenhouse yeah. in the, you know, in court. Oh, my God. So it's never a surprise. He but... wasn't
0: crying when he was taking that photo in the bar with mm. this other guy. Right after, yeah. he just killed two people. Yeah, so, yeah. Very convenient. But then
1: we see, you know, Julius Jones in Oklahoma who, gosh, denies he had anything to do with the crime he was convicted of, even to this day, and this happened 20 years ago, and he was still on death row up until the, the final yeah, hours. the final hours. The final like... hours. And he's already served 20 years. He still says he has nothing to do with the, with the crime that had taken place, yet we see it's totally... It's day and night. It's literally day and night.
0: Honestly, yo, and, like, the... The media just—I uh, mean, mm. it's the thing is, as we said, it's not a monolith. So you're gonna get media that ranges, and um, there's—I think there's like an app called Ground News that gives you, you know, different right wing and left wing and center, uh, you know, newspaper outlets, and it gives you their opinions on, you know, the a single story, which I find really interesting. But, but one thing that it, that does actually pop through a lot, regardless of if it's if it's identified as oh left, right, whatever we still see a consistent misrepresentation of the black narrative, in my opinion. And I wanna zero in specifically even on Wales. right? We had a boy called Mahmoud Hassan last year who mysteriously died in police custody, essentially. And those protests, and you know, now BLM, there's been an effort, even though it's not statistically true, there's been an effort to try and construe these protests as violent and now what happens is that the picture that they put forward and you can actually go to my podcast that I did with Maro on this as well last year we showed you guys the picture that they put as like you know, as, as a headline page, like the picture yeah on the front page they were essentially showing this guy putting up his middle finger and like yeah he was smoking it's like is that really your view of mm. black lives matter and they, they yeah. obviously apologized Oh, we didn't intend it to cause any
1: harm. Yeah, yeah, we did. This isn't meant to be, you know, representing the protest. Because, you know, essentially, Mahmoud uh, died after being released from police custody. He wasn't charged. Um, eyewitnesses said he was, you know, injured really badly. Um, and this isn't even the only case. This isn't an isolated incident. Yeah. If we think about Mayed Bashir um, in Gwent. And what's really interesting in Gwent, recent figures uh, last year, came out, which said that if you're black in Gwent, if you're a black man, you're ten times more likely to be stopped and searched. In the South Wales region, you're six times more likely. Um, So do I think that you can look at all of these figures, numbers, incidents, deaths? Can you try and pretend that it's all a coincidence and none of it is, you know, you can't explain any of it? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. I think there's forces at play. I think there's a lack of accountability. I think we need to stop, stop talking about bad apples, we need to start talking about roots and even the bad apples analogy is really interesting to me Yeah. because my point is, even if a tree is producing all these bad apples all of these <laughs> multiple bad apples on a tree, and your, your tree is essentially rotten, right? If your tree yeah. is producing all of these bad apples, so if your tree is rotten, what do you do? You chop it down it out, <laughs> you chop it down, you take it seriously, you stop using these analogies that just are not helpful and quite literally not true because the numbers are not marginal, they're not yeah. sort of subtle. You're telling me you're ten times more likely to be stopped and searched in Gwent, ten times more likely if you're black to me, that's not a number that you can even ignore it should be treated as an emergency, yeah to me personally, and I've grown up in Wales my whole life um and I'm telling you, there is a lack of trust between Black communities and the police, for good reason. This isn't, you know, some yeah. form of people overreacting or you know being dramatic for good good reason.
0: And just to add on to that, I'll tell you a funny story. Yo. Um, I was here at a restaurant, just just chilling with my my friend, and you know, sometimes we just go and pick up some food, and we're like, you know, what, hungry? Let's stop by and get some food. And then sometimes, you know. Cops, they like to also get food, yeah? Mm, yeah, cops uh, do eat yeah, at yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They do. They eat food as well. <laughs> the natural habitat. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so they, they were they were getting food, yeah, in the restaurant. Mm. And eight of them, just like the there, like eight, eight. eight in police. the same restaurant, yeah, just cooking yeah, up food. Exactly. Okay. And okay. I'm telling you, the entire time, mm. I said I'm a black Somali mm, man.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> What the yeah. hell Am I gonna do It's like You know I was just there Eating my food I was like yeah. Yo bro Were well, you nervous know Of course I was Yeah 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 <laughs> I really felt like My heart was on my throat Because I was like mm. Yo Like You never know man. Mm. These were like You know The, the police with the tasers And everything mm, You know mm and there's eight of them You, mm. I'm sorry man when
1: was this exactly Like
0: this was like two weeks ago man. oh like, okay so basically. they were on a lunch break or something and they're like mm. oh let's all oh, get like you know go and get some some food and I was mm. just like bruh mm. if I do anything wrong yeah that can be construed as violent or aggressive aggressive it's like oh what are you doing yeah
1: it's like mm. that's it.
0: eight cops yo
1: I find, that interesting. Me I find that interesting that you had that reaction because you're such, in terms of my group of friends, you're such a logical, intellectual person. So the fact that you're having that reaction shows that there's something deeply wrong. Yeah. And there's a, tot- there a. There's quite a clear line, I think. Um, and you read cases like what has been happening in South Wales. The recent documentary came out um, about you know Lynette White and mm. how corrupt South Wales police were, you know, I say in quotation marks. <laughs> I would argue, you know, the same system is standing. People change, people move around. Do I think we've really come that far? When you actually look at the numbers, I'm not talking about hearsay or opinion or feelings. Look at the numbers, look at the stats. Wales has one of the worst figures for incarcerating mm. black people in Western Europe, and it's something we should be deeply ashamed of. It's not something that should be ignored, swept under the carpet. I know we're going to look to Westminster and say, well, that's not, that part of criminal justice isn't devolved. I understand that, but... If a house is on fire, are you just going to walk past it? Because Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily your responsibility or that doesn't fall into my portfolio. If a house is on fire, you want to do something about it, you know? There's people in there that are suffering.
0: Yeah, and I think that even just going back to the whole journalism point, when people write about these things, and this is why, again, it's so important to have black people in positions of power, where they can actually have impact within your companies, for example. Because, for example, if you look at, like, newspapers one of my friends was actually i mean he was supposed to be here as well unfortunately he could not make it mustafa if you're listening don't worry i'm going to try and try and tell your story in the best way possible <laughs> but he essentially does writing for this specific paper <clears throat> and uh what they what they focus on is like marxism socialism etc and he was trying to obviously give uh his own opinions and he was talking about racism he was talking about reparations right and he was told that he was using the term white too much and that they, they had to like remove like chunks and chunks and chunks out of his his article because it was too you know, you're getting too much at the racial part. Mm. It's like, you know, and the fact that they were just able to I mean it was it was coming from a place of white fragility to mm, be honest. Mm. Right? Why do you feel like I'm talking about white people too much? Why do you feel like I'm talking about race too much? Yeah. It's like it was I read the actual article. And it's dealing with actual issues. And when we're talking about, I mean, he was talking to the editor and he was saying like, you know, uh, talking about reparations, etc. I mean, this is what I mean by people who need to actually read literature, because <laughs> when they were talking about reparations, he was like, well, you know, I think there's better ways to attack imperialism and colonialism as opposed to giving all black people a check.
1: That's not even, <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> the, that's not what
1: we're talking
0: about. <laughs>
1: Do they actually think someone's going to come with the big, huge checkbook?
0: It's like, oh, yeah, actually, you see, your your ancestors were owned between this time and this time. Mm. Here's some uh, £20,000. Yeah, we've done the math. <laughs> £20,000. Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll give you your next check next month. No. Mm, mm. I mean, the fact that people have such a poor understanding, mm. even within journalism,
1: mm.
0: of these ideologies or the concept of reparations, etc., like, come on, seriously? Yeah, and
1: I think it's the, there's nothing wrong with not knowing. I don't think we can all be an expert on everything. But I would say, if you know you're going to write an article or you know you're going to do some research down this field, you need to do your work. Yeah, You need to really prepare. Because I understand not everyone's going to be studying a degree in every topic, you know, under the sun. But I do think that those articles I read by people who actually even just have a basic concept of what they're talking about, basic ideas, basic understanding... Those pieces are so much more profound, truthful, honest, mm. um, and they resonate with you more because they they make more sense. Yeah, and they're not just pushing the agenda of whatever perhaps huge corporation they're writing for, huge company. Um, but I do find I'm you know you're probably the same as me. I find local journalism um, to be so much so much more useful and yeah. profound um, for me personally.
0: Yeah, I know, I can totally agree, because even when, uh, I think, yeah, we were heading to our mosque the other day, and not the other day, but, you know, the other month, Mm -hmm. and uh, these other guys threw eggs at us and whatever, stuff like that, and, like, when we decided to take that story forward, Mm. um, I did manage to find people, but obviously it was through other Muslims that were involved in media. So it's like, it wasn't like I just had this open... I I was skeptical that they would even take the story. Mm. So it's like, you know, I don't have a trust for the media because the way they portray things it's basically as you said from the lens of a middle class white man mm. regardless of which side of the spectrum you are ideologically as a newspaper there's not enough people of non-white like heritage that are in these positions to actually make solid decisions, and like although that's changing, I recognize mm. that. But this is again why we find people coming up with black newspapers, right, mm. where people can actually write their own specific things, or why you're starting to see um, publications like you know, I think it's called, uh, I can't really remember, I just literally forgot the name, uh, but they're focusing specific. It's an Instagram channel, mm. and they also do like writing, and they're writing about Africa specifically. There's also New Africa. There's so many. African-specific channels, because even for Africa as a continent, our story's been told by CNN, mm. it's been told by Sky News, BBC. it's been told by BBC, mm. it's been told by Fox News, and a lot of the times they're talking from very paternalistic point of view. Mm. Like, you know, oh, this is the continent of Africa, you know. Mm. Even The Economist had the audacity to compare, oh, China as a country compared to Africa. Yeah. It's like... What kind of comparison is the maths isn't mattering. It's not so mattering.
1: The maths isn't massing for me.
0: Different jurisdictions. I mean you if we want to talk about, about population size, maybe that's comparable. Mm. But mm. they're talking about economic growth, they're talking about economic how can you gauge economic growth in mm. one country mm. with one set of laws or like mm. a general federal system? Yeah. Compared now with fifty-four countries that have different yes. jurisdictions, they have different cultural values, they have mm. different norms, they have different climates, they have different some histories. of them are some of yeah, different history. The fact that that never went through the editor's mind for me is mind-boggling. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's basic. That isn't even advanced. Which is why I say to you, when I want to read a piece, I need the person to at least have a very basic, very yeah. basic logical sort of foundation in what they're talking about. But mm. we're not afforded with that luxury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah in the in the media in the
0: press it's uh, it's unfortunate to be honest and even i mean Mm. we're gonna get into this a bit uh later but i mean the question we've talked about race and power but now it comes to the question of how do we actually change that and i tell people about this but decolonization is violent Mm. yes we said it it's violent (laughs) Mm. it's it doesn't mean that oh we're gonna punch someone no whatever yeah but obviously, during the times of independence, that was something that was necessary to ensure the safety of the African people. Mm. Yeah? And uh, if you want to look at decolonization today in the workplace or decolonization in the classroom, etc., it's going to be a very uncomfortable experience for white people,
1: mm. in my opinion,
0: based on the way we're seeing people already reacting, being fragile, you know, oh, you know, I personally, you know, but maybe colonialism was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I've always told people this, guys. Just make it easy for us black people, yeah? If you feel racial tendencies, yeah? Mm. If, this is good you know, advice, yeah? If you're feeling those racial tendencies, please, just call me the N-word to my face, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to hide You've it.
1: you said this, You've you know? said this. We feel like people so desperately want to say these words they're not allowed to say. Yeah. I don't really understand it, for me personally. So it's like when we're reading a text, you sort of feel like people are ready. We're yeah. ready, we, sort of, we want to say this, this is liberating, even, but...
0: Oh my gosh.
1: You've said this before, this is, this is it's one of the funniest things I think you've said to me.
0: Honestly, you, I was thinking, you. because I asked this on another podcast, What if we're concerned about what white people say in front of us, mm. there are only a few who are actually brave enough, or at least you Ooh. go to a place where you're in a space, like, I don't know, deep, deep, deep American South where it's, like, almost 90% white, whatever, people there feel confident to call you the N-word, because they're in a safe space. Mm. What are some white people doing behind closed doors? Mm. Like, in terms of, like, is that a word that they say freely? And I've experienced this in my, my my halls, yeah? They were like, oh, actually, well, they're having a party, whatever, not, not much is happening, it doesn't seem like we're there. And, like, I'm the only black guy in mm. the flat. So then I'm just hearing... Coop in the lot And then I'm just like Okay I was like Yeah let me just listen in Like Mm. what are these guys Like singing And then boom N-word 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 And And I'm like Wow This is what happens Behind closed (laughs) doors Yeah
1: yeah. Mm.
0: And like the craziest thing is I've heard stories From people who are Biracial Yeah Mm. And They think that They're not black
1: (laughs) Yeah, And then they're
0: like, they, they feel safe enough to say the N-word. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, they just, or they say something incredibly racist. Yeah. yeah? Or colorist or something like that. Mm, yeah. Mm. And then I'm just like, you know, what is happening behind closed doors?
1: That's what I always think. Because the things I've heard, you know, growing up in majority white circles, you will encounter racism. Um, in the UK, I find, you know, I really don't know anyone that hasn't. But I spoke to some of my white friends about this, and I'd say this person has called me this. One time, a girlfriend of my friend called me Black Emily, which was so interesting to me.
0: Black Emily? Black
1: Emily, that's what she called me. So I spoke to my other friends about this, and I said, you know, I sort of, it went sort of over my head. And my friend said, yeah, but if that's what she's saying to you, imagine what's being said when you're not around. Oh, my
0: god. And
1: that's really what made me think i was like that's you're so right because this is what they're brave enough to say to me never mind when i'm not even in the room or around
0: so when these questions of decolonization come around it has to be something that's just not it's like an you have to take on the effort by yourself like if Mm. i'm being honest like no one's gonna help you right yeah Yeah. you have to want to decolonize your mind as a Mm. a non-black person right uh, specifically as a white person, because you have, like, the most privilege out of, like, the different groups, yeah? It's like, you have to want it. And if you don't want it, and by, by want it, I don't mean, like, oh, you just profess it. You have to act on that, mm. right? If a black person is telling you, for example, oh, don't use this specific word, yeah, right, why are you using it, mm. right? <laughs>
1: also, what's even interesting to me is in these academic circles, we talk about Marxism and communism, and even some of the white communists I know of, <laughs> will pass judgment on black communists because black communists are saying, well, class isn't everything and we need to speak about the question of colonialism and imperialism. And you have sort of European communists
0: and Marxists
1: passing judgment and saying, oh, well, that's extremely naive. And to me, that's when I'm like, you really have to unlearn everything you know because that is so counterproductive and you're actually putting your own sort of interpretation of this oh branch of g- politics <laughs> on the whole world i
0: think i know what you're talking about you know
1: exactly what i'm talking <laughs> about but i just found that interesting oh because gosh. it means even those people that are on the left yeah. they you still have work to do there's still work to do
0: yeah that's exactly i think you and my mother friend should talk because that's what he was writing for one of those papers i was doing a uh, piece on socialism <clears throat> he came across the exact same same specific issue yeah and like, I think this is just the, the main point for me. Black people in all spaces, whether, whether I don't know, even if there's like, you know, neoliberal discourses, whether it's Marxist discourses, whether it's to do with, uh, you know, even coding, whatever, right, there's, you need to realize that you're, you're not gonna change in terms of being black. Like people are gonna see you as a black person and they're gonna treat you that way. So even in those fields where you feel, oh, you know, we agree on this, we agree on that, we follow this ideology, we don't follow this ideology, there's so much ingrained, you know, as you said, the passing of judgment, the paternalism, the mistrust, etc., of different people who are within these fields. Sometimes that's why you actually find break-off groups, which are just like, actually, this is just for black people now, right? So this is exactly why you need to, like, when you're decolonizing, you need to look at your spaces and ask yourself if those spaces are becoming exclusive, are they excluding black people from the important conversations that you're having? Cuz if they are, then you definitely need to rethink that. And you can't can come to that conclusion unless of course you talk to black people. So
1: Exactly. And no. you always mention, you know, the importance of co-authorship yeah. and that type of thing. No, I definitely
0: agree. Yeah. So I think what what we'll do is we can probably even just wrap up now. Uh, but yeah, thank you once again, Emily. Huge thanks to you for being on the podcast. Honestly, one of my favorite discussions so far. Though, so much thought. The oh, thing is... You're so nice. <laughs> yeah. You're so kind. No, no, honestly. One of the best conversations that I've had. And also, guys, just for the record, this is my first podcast that I'm doing live and recorded like in person <clears throat> for like one and a half years. So,
1: another...
0: Well done, Adnan. <laughs> you're, a, you're a hero. Wow. No, a... <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I'm telling you guys. Honestly, it's been a while. I miss doing live podcasts because mm. seeing the guest through a screen is a different experience yeah. compared to just seeing them in person anyways guys thank you so much and this is going to wrap it up for race and power we might do another segment of this you know with going to try and get a few other people to come through as well but uh, without further ado thank you and we'll see you in the next episode